0: Valid ballots are still being counted. Some races are undecided across the United States. And I just think uh, there is something we all need right now uh, during this process. We all need a good, healthy dose of patience.
1: And those are the words of your newly elected third-term governor. Haven't had one of those in more than 40 years. It's Jay Inslee extolling the virtue of patience in the days after election 2020. We are recording the show as former Vice President Joe Biden appears to have the votes he needs to win the presidency, but he's facing a series of legal challenges from President Trump. So we're going to put a little national, little local politics in the mix, add a dollop of cream, a spoonful of understanding, because that's the way we do it on Seattle News, Views & Brews, your Seattle-area political podcast. I'm Brian Callanan. I'm a host on Seattle Channel. The views expressed here are my own. And I am joined by my co-host, Faster Than a Speeding Bullet, Stronger than a locomotive, able to leap at least two-story duplexes in a single bound. That's Kevin Schofield of Seattle City Council Insight. Hello, Kevin. Hey, three stories
0: on a really good day, but <laughs> you right. know, this is not a really good day. So yeah, I'll pace take, yourself. Pace you yourself. Know, if, I, if I can get over my, you know, my, my stepstool. Yes, you know, that's that's I'm an accomplishment.
1: Okay that. yeah. All right, we give thanks also to City Grind Espresso. They're the background noise sponsor for the audio podcast. Of course, the coffee stand on the first floor of Seattle City Hall closed during the pandemic, but they're still open for takeout at their Henry Art Gallery location. Please support local businesses, people. We also thank our patrons who support us on Patreon. And if you're listening to this, hey, a few bucks a month is really all it takes. And we do need your help to keep this enterprise afloat. So, If you support local independent journalism, so important during these times, please consider giving to us at Seattle News Views and Brews on Patreon. And finally, a big thanks to Converge Media for airing the video version of this podcast. All right, we're going to go and go in full throttle on Right Here, Right Now. So we're going to tackle a big milestone ahead for the Seattle City Council's budget process in a minute. But I want to start, Kevin, with some reactions to the election. In the race for president, a legal battle I I know ahead for President Trump, which I think we all expected here. But I will say in looking at a lot of these battleground states, Trump's efforts to say, hey, everybody, don't vote by mail, don't vote by mail. It appears his supporters might not have voted by mail, but Biden voters, a lot of them did. And as we see these mail-in ballots start to come in later, they get tallied up in these later counts in a number of these races, but not all of them. A significant number have swung Biden's way. Just some initial thoughts on the presidency, Kevin.
0: Yeah, and let's not forget that the reason that a lot of these mail in ballots are being counted so many days after the election mm-hmm. is because Republicans sued in many of these states. Yes. And, and, and Republican legislators changed the rules mm-hmm. so that they couldn't start counting until election day. Right. Several, or maybe the day before election day. But, yeah. you know, unlike here in Washington state, where they've been counting ballots as they came in. Yep. Right. And, and yep. it was perfectly secure. No information leaked about about, you know, how the ballots were going. Mm-hmm. But in many other states, that was just simply not allowed. Right. Yeah. So they had no choice but to count all these. They could have, you know, they could have had the vast majority of those ballots, you know, counted and announced immediately at eight mm-hmm. o'clock on election night. Right. But but they chose not to do that. Yeah. Right? And so here's where we are with it. Yeah. Right? So this is this is a problem of their own making.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I just, it's one of these pillars of democracy when we talk about voting here. This is going to be a very uh, fraught time ahead, I know, for our country in yeah. discussing this. Yeah. So we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that. But I want to look back locally here, Kevin, and I'll start with Seattle Proposition 1, the Seattle Transportation Benefit District. Were Seattleites worried about taxing themselves for more bus service? Heck no. More than 80 percent of voters in favor of that. Maybe not too surprising. There was no formal opposition to this measure. But Kevin, I'm just thinking about this. After all that hand-wringing on the Seattle City Council. Should this be a 0.01% sales tax increase or 0.015% they went with a higher number and they won big here. I, yes, we're in a pandemic. Times are tight, certainly. But uh, overwhelmingly, people were voting for a higher tax here. Your, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, well,
0: so, you know, part of that may, in fact, be that it's smaller than the one that's re- true. replaced. That's right? true. Mm-hmm. You know, because there was a $60, uh, you know, car shop. Yeah, it doesn't include that one car check piece. Right. right. So, and, and in fact, now that, you know, nine, nine, initiative 976 has been thrown out by the state Supreme Court, we may, in fact, see this coming year, the Seattle Council, you know, go back to the voters again and say, Hey, yeah. you know, should we put a car tab on top of that? Yep. Right. Yep. They, because they can't. Right. Yep. And, yep. and, uh, you know, the $27 million a year on average, that's going to come out of this over the next yes. six years is super appreciated. That'll help. But yeah, there's a lot more needs that we have. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and by the way, you know, when you just look at sort of the, the relative aggressiveness of different taxes, right. Yep. Sales yep. tax, which is, you know, what the, the, the one proposal 1 that just got approved is entirely. Yes. Um, is one of the most regressive taxes out there. Yeah, yeah, I know so, the council has its so, eye on and, that. And, and and you know, Seattle already has the most regressive tax system, in in the most you know in the most regressive state in the, in the United States, right? So they're itching for ways to make revenues you know for the city more progressive. So right. I would be shocked if they didn't come back and look at this and see what else they could do and
1: stuff. Yeah, and I know there's a council manic action, too, that could involve a car tab fee. So we're a definitely going to be keeping tabs A, on little, it. a little Not not, 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 yeah. not at the $60 level. No, 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 okay. $20 level. So that's something we'll be watching as well. Uh, just working up to the county level here, Kevin, a similar story on the tax measure to support Harborview Medical Center and some renovations there. County's Prop 1, that nearly 80% of the vote as well. But I was really interested to see what is – potentially a big shift for king county law enforcement these measures to make the sheriff's position a selection of the king county executive not elected by the people we're talking charter amendments five and six i thought this was interesting because a number of police unions uh, locally and nationally here poured two hundred thousand dollars to the no campaign for this supporters only raised about six thousand dollars but it looks like this is going through here this is potentially a big change it is a
0: big change, and you know, on the on the sheriff, we should keep in mind that it used to be up until nineteen ninety six an that's appointed right. position. Yep, and then through you know a measure exactly like this one, they flipped it to being elected, right? And now they flipped it back, right? But but putting and that's and that's uh, Amendment Five and Amendment Six is the one that basically that's the county council right write the job description of the sheriff. Yeah, they have a lot and, more and control office, over it right? now. Yeah, so you know. I really sort of thought of those as a matching pair, right? Yeah, where yeah. Where the voters are being asked, do you want to give the county council right. the ability to go make a bunch of changes pretty quickly mm-hmm. in order to drive police reform? Yeah, yeah. And it sure looks like the voters of King County are saying, yeah, we want you guys to go do that, right? Yeah. And if you believe that the county council, you know, is it's the right organization to go do that. Yes, right. And you believe in what they're going to do. This is mm-hmm. great, you know? Yeah you have to temper it a little bit by really realizing that you know they can undo their changes That's using true. the same mechanism yeah right you know yeah. this isn't this isn't a one-off deal right yeah. this is charter amendments change all that power to appoint the sheriff a, and to and to write the job description for mm-hmm. the sheriff's office yeah is now in the hounds hands of the of the county council mm-hmm. and the county executive and it doesn't have to go back to a vote of the people
1: right to change it Right. right. And so, and that's, that's the big deal here, because I know supporters of this were saying this is a measure through which we're going to get more national candidates for the job here. It was interesting to me to see voters actually give up their right to vote on this position here. So uh, an interesting piece ahead there for the county. On the state level, I know some spirited grassroots campaign to stop the legislature's work on sex education. That failed as referendum 90 passed. Maya Espinoza, that Notice sex ed, big part of her platform in a bid for school superintendent. She didn't make the cut here. Really a a blue wave statewide we're talking about in this election, increasing the Democrat majorities in the House and Senate at the state level. But I want to bring it back here locally, Kevin, with the uncertainty, I guess we'll call it over the presidential vote at this point. I feel like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop on large scale protests in the Seattle area. Is the SPD ready for it? I know Chief Diaz has been talking about new ways to approach crowd control or whatever else. Have we seen over the past couple of weeks, and there has been plenty of activity, certainly up on Capitol Hill when it comes to protests, if these protests start getting bigger, is SPD ready for that? Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, the, uh, Interim Chief Diaz has set up basically the responsibility for protest response in in a very, what he calls his community response team. Right? Yes, or, that's or right. Being, so a precinct by precinct a, a, across the city. There's one group mm-hmm. that's spearheading, which, you know, to the extent that he's also trying to drive kind of, Faster changes and, yeah, uh, in, in, in their policies for doing this mm-hmm. is, is, is probably a good thing. They've got a lot of you know training to push out to a yes. lot of officers because it, it involves a lot of officers to respond to these, you know, exactly yep. to make sure everybody's really on the same page. That's right, on how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, largely it seems to be working. What they mm-hmm. seem to be doing more, at least sort of anecdotally, is trying to do more arrests of individuals and crowds that are misbehaving, right? So rather than you know, when, when a protest, when there are a small number of people in a protest to turn vir- violent, yes, saying, Okay, you know, we're declaring this to be an unlawful assembly or a yep. riot and everybody mm-hmm. must
1: disperse. Yeah,
0: much more surgical about going and saying, Okay, we're going to pull out of this crowd, yeah. the, the real misbehavior.
1: Yeah, try, try to pinpoint the people who are breaking the windows or whatever else, make those arrests in, in yeah. that smaller area rather than shutting the entire thing down. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, we still have a small number of data points on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we saw just a few days ago, there was an incident on Capitol Hill mm-hmm. where um, someone was being arrested, ended up in critical con- condition. And That's heartbeat. right. And, and as of, you know, when we're recording this, there is still very unclear data as to what happened to that person and mm-hmm. why they ended up uh, in, in, in the hospital, whether yeah. it was you know, there, there, you know, there were different reports across the board yep. about whether it was police actions, yeah, or the percent of seizure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm withholding judgment on this one because I don't think sort of the data there is is to be yep. clear. But yep. I think we're we're going to see, you know, more, uh, you know, incidents on both sides. Incidents where yep. where doing that. You know, didn't further escalate tensions between the crowd and police,
1: mm-hmm,
0: and mm-hmm. we may see incidents where it goes wrong. And
1: yeah, we'll just have yeah. to see how that plays out. Yeah, that that incident you're talking about there specifically, certainly a test for the SPD, and I know they will be facing some more tests ahead. So thanks for that breakdown, Kevin. I'm going to move on to now. Hear this. Okay, so this is where we break down a soundbite from the past week, and here's one from Councilmember Teresa Mosqueda. She's the budget chair for the council. She's laying out the deadlines approaching the council when it comes to changing her budget balancing package, which she's set to come out with on the 10th of November. So we're talking about those good old Form C's, as they're called. Form A, hey, I've got an idea. Form B, okay. Now this bill has at least three sponsors, Form C. Form C. All right, you want to make some changes to the budget chair's balancing package? You're going to have to figure out some extra math here. Cuts to cuts to things or more income to make that work. Here's Councilmember Member Mosqueda breaking it down. The deadline for Form C's to change the balancing package is 10 a.m. on Thursday, November 12th. And any proposal that increases appropriations at that time must be self-balancing. Okay, so Kevin, we're recording the show just before the budget chair of the council lays out her balancing proposal on November 10th. And this is the time the council members are going to be considering a lot of these different changes here. Tell us where we are, because not a lot of ton of meetings, uh, public meetings right now, but a lot of work certainly going on behind the scenes as council members try to figure out these form Cs.
0: Right. At the beginning of last week, um, council members got an update on revenues. And there was actually some good news. Some good news there. Right. Right. But even if there wasn't good news, basically it gives... Uh, the budget chair Mosqueda, sort of a hard target to hit. Here's how much money you have to spend. Yep, yep, right, right. And then from there, she looks at all the form B's and said, okay, which of the, you know, and, and the relative priorities based upon what council members said in co sponsoring them mm-hmm. and puts together a package yeah. that balances. Yep, right, yep. And she's going to deliver that on Tuesday. Yep. yep. And then from there, the council members can make, uh, you know, further changes. Council member Swant has already said she is going to. You know, put back in some of the things that didn't make the cut. Yeah. You know, right. there's things that didn't even get really, uh, you know, a, a full hearing. of yes. Form B's because you couldn't find two sponsors. That's so, right. Right. Um, there's going to be some disappointments and other things. You know, there, what we saw from the Form B's was a mix of earmarks for district based things. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, personal pet projects of, of council members as well as some bigger issues around. Yes. You know, community safety and police and right. transportation and all that. Homelessness, sure. And, yeah. and so, you know, a few of those are going to go a second round. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after Tuesday, after the balancing package is out there, anything mm-hmm. that anybody proposes has to be self-balancing.
1: Yeah. So yeah. you are
0: going to spend more money. They got to say where that money is going to come from. Yeah. And that's that's going to be a challenge.
1: Uh, Let me let me dive into one of those issues when you talk about community building, community safety here too. this Black Brilliance Research Project. You wrote about this on SCC Insight. This is a group made up of decriminalized Seattle King County equity. Now, the council asked them through a participatory budgeting process, make some recommendations. And we do have this preliminary report now. Kevin, your thoughts about this study and the recommendations that we're seeing there?
0: Yeah, so um, King County Equity Now and Criminal in Seattle were asked by the City Council to put together this participatory budgeting process, which is really going to have much more of an effect on 2022 budget. So next, so they're going to be spending the first part of this coming year, you know, kind of running that whole process so that Mm -hmm. their, their hopes are by next fall when they're writing the 2022 budget the city council will have lots of great input and, you know, that's sure. the time to really sort of do all the hard things they need to do to, sure. to make that happen. Yeah. But, these are big but, changes
1: we're talking about. So,
0: so what, what they got last week was a preliminary report, yep. right. From, from, the you know the research that, that these groups have been doing, mm-hmm. and you know you can think of this research as qualitative research, yes. know, as opposed to quantitative, right? Right. It, they, they haven't spelled out their methodology. They mm-hmm. haven't uh, sort of given numbers behind this is the number of people yeah. reached. Here's the percentage of people in the community who believe yes. this is the priority, or whatever. So but it's qualitative. It's sort of, they are doing the it's, outreach It's it first impression, like. yeah. and qualitative yeah. research is important, right? Yes. If you talk, in, in social science uh, research circles, it's important, and and you know if you think of the participatory budgeting process mm-hmm. as sort of the ultimate quantitative research effort, right? Okay. Let's get yeah. a bunch of people to kind of vote, mm-hmm. literally vote on, on what numbers, what they think is most yeah. important, mm-hmm. right? Then what the qualitative research does is before that, it tells you what issues you need to be asking people to vote. Yep, on, yep, Right, yeah. So they got a bunch of input on that. Of course, Is it yeah. really, you know, tight enough that they're, that, that they're going to be able to, the city council is going to be able to use it to make a ton of like important changes now in 2021 budget? Yeah. Nah, not really.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's you know, it's a it's a little bit of ammunition for some of the things they want to push for, and we'll kind sure. of see how it goes from
1: there. At, at least it, it provides a certain roadmap here. I wanted to talk about one last budget wrinkle here, Kevin. When it comes to uh, police funding, perhaps uh, the city's talking about changing its approach to bargaining with police unions. Councilmember Herbold, Mayor Durkin, talking about this last week. So before it was just the Office of Police Accountability was advising the city. Now all three of the city's accountability groups, the OPA and the Office of the Inspector General, the OIG, and the Community Policing Commission, the CPC, will be involved, as well as a Council a council Central staff member. What impact do you think this is going to have, Kevin? I know this is always a delicate process here, but now it sounds like the Council is going to have more involvement, and the community potentially is going to have more involvement. Yeah,
0: so, so let, I mean, let's, let's put a stark contrast here. So normally when any contract and including the spog and spma which is the you know the two the, unions the unions the, yep. the spma is a union for the the sergeants and lieutenants yep in, yep. in, in spd um when those two unions bargain with the city, usually it's the director of labor relations for the yep. city, who's mm-hmm. part of the executive branch, yep. and you know somebody from the mayor's office sitting at the table bargaining with them, right? Yes. and they have to report to those; those two folks have to report to what's called the labor relations policy committee, mm-hmm. which is five city council members and three representatives from the executive uh, right uh, uh, executive branch from the mayor's yep. office. Yep. Uh, so those eight people basically set the priorities and the parameters for bargaining. And and the labor relations director then goes and basically drives a bargaining at the table. Okay. Right? Um, so labor relations policy committee and the mayor can go talk to whoever they want to talk to, but you know there aren't a lot of seats at the table when this is going on, right? Okay. That's how it's okay. been run. Yeah. And now what they're saying is, and what you can see here is, is um, I think I interpret this as um, the city government right, really trying to present a united front. Right. Council and mayor these, coming uh, forward. Again, yeah. they know that they have some hard negotiations. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff they want to ask for, and, yeah. and the unions are going to push back. Of course, so they're trying to maximize the political capital that they have going mm-hmm. into it, so they can really establish a united front. So they've got, um, you know, more people at the table. City yeah. council is going to be at the, is, have a seat at the table, right? Yeah, and uh, the OPA, OIG, and CPC. Yes maybe sitting at the table
1: okay right? okay
0: what, what they've said here is that the labor relations director can invite them to sit at the table if yeah they want, mm-hmm. right but they will but they will they are formally advisors now in right. the process and they will be in the loop as to how the negotiation's going all the way through right
1: yeah yeah so
0: and my guess is you know at, at least you know some of the time one of them is going to be sitting at the table
1: yeah, right. no, I I think to follow through on that process and, for and sure. And this is
0: this is a big thing the CPC has wanted. They mm-hmm. really wanted time. to be able to sit at the table and sort of represent. The community. Mm-hmm. You know what they haven't asked for. Well, what lots of people have asked for, but what, what they haven't said they're going to do uh-huh. is open up. You know, make 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 the negotiations completely negotiation daylight yeah, yeah. Um, public. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. and transparent. And under state right. law, they really can't no. do that.
1: Right. right. And I Just just to give a quick background on this, Kevin, I think a lot of this stems from 2017, the council passes its big ordinance to make sure police are more accountable there. 2018, the mayor was very much in charge of these uh, negotiations with the different uh, police guild and, and the unions for the, for the police. And I think a lot of people felt a little let down by that that contract that came out of that in 2018, and and I guess we're here at this right. point now. I want to make sure I said yeah, that and, out there.
0: Yeah, and but a lot of that, the way a lot a lot of the way those negotiations with Spog turned out, mm-hmm. are because of state law. Yeah, and and so the other interesting thing going on right now, which is I actually think super important, really determine a lot of the imp, you know the impact of these changes, the impact of these mm-hmm. extra negotiations with both of these unions. Yep, is. You know, there's a lot of folks in, in in the state legislature right now, and and the governor mm-hmm. who are gearing up to push through some changes to, right. to police accountability. Right, yep. right now, state law mandates that SPog, you know, as a union for you know uh, public safety civil service mm-hmm. employees, has the right to arbitration. And yes. arbitration has been a key key issue. In Absolutely, this, right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that that could change.
1: Yeah. Right yeah what right the uh, the the governor has a lot more democratic backers now in the House and Senate after this most recent election right so they so we'll they, see where they could there. change that law yeah they could change the
0: yeah. law and say that that um, negotiations with um, public safety uh, unions have to be open and transparent
1: all right Kevin, thank you for that breakdown let's move on to what's next mm-hmm. Okay, so Mayor Jenny Durkin right now is trying to respond to some of the anger and frustration expressed by the Downtown Seattle Association and others about what they call a public health and public safety crisis in our parks. So the mayor is calling for a new clean city proposal. Some work already underway, she points out, but she's calling for about $5.6 million in new revenue to increase trash pickups, specifically around parks here. The mayor certainly is seeing that better-looking revenue forecast, $30 million or so, and she's saying, all right, city council, here's an idea of where to spend it. What do you make of this proposal, Kevin?
0: Yeah, so the, the bulk of the money, about four million dollars of the money, mm-hmm. would go to set up four new uh, community clean teams, one yep. for each of four quadrants of of, of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and it'd be a uh, four, fourteen to sixteen people in each of them, a yep. combination of Parks and Recreation, SDOT, and Seattle Public U- Utilities, that's right. which, mm-hmm. to basically just you know forty hours a week scour the city yep. looking looking to clean up stuff. Yeah. So that, that's a bulk, and it seems like you know that that would certainly help. You know yep, i don't know yeah. it's gonna solve the problem as a whole but you know every little bit helps and that's and that's gonna be a big chunk of it yeah. um you know beyond that there's some stuff for parks to do mm-hmm. there's there's some specific parts in, in, of this clean cities initiative for uh litter abatement by spu mm-hmm. for uh you know basically uh, uh doubling the size of what they call the purple bag
1: yes ground, right mm-hmm.
0: where um uh, SPU goes out to specific encampments. And that's right. It change from 17 of them to 34 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they distribute purple garbage bags. Yeah. And the folks living there can sort of collect up the garbage, and SPU will come through and just pick up all those bags. Right, just right. Just to sort of reduce the amount of garbage that's collecting there. Yeah. Uh, you know, more needle dis- uh, disposal. Yep. Uh, infrastructure, uh, you know, a graffiti team going graffiti around. Graffiti rangers
1: are going to be increased, Graffiti right?
0: rangers, they'll increase it by about 20%. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a variety of different things. It's not one thing, it's a bunch of things. But again, the yeah. bulk of it is these four teams, yeah. you know, one per quadrant of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, it, it's only asking for funding for four months in 2021. So, right. you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, but,
1: um, but what impact is it going to have? I wanted to make sure we went down that path.
0: Yeah, you know, it'll it'll, you know, if it works, it'll certainly you know clean up a lot of the garbage.
1: Yeah, right.
0: And and a lot of the other sort of public health hazards. Right. Um, Not a complete
1: answer to what the DSA was looking for. I don't think, but a start. Yeah. But you know,
0: we're 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 stuck at the moment because we're still in this COVID pandemic, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, and that means that you know we're trading off in one way, you know, the public health risks. Of uh, having a homeless population living in parks and streets mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. uh, green belts and things like that. Sure. Versus the public health risks of having a homeless population that's constantly churning around the city, right? yeah. moving from place to place, yeah. and right. potentially you know what transmitting would that spreading have? Right. around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, what the CDC has said is the lower risk is to leave them in place. So then what you know, this is sort of in response to that say, okay, if we're gonna follow the CDC advice and not push these people around the city, let's really up our investment in cleaning up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would have to think the council is gonna take a hard look at this and and probably be supportive of it. So we'll watch that throughout this budget process and into next year as well. As we start to wrap up the podcast here, I always lean on Kevin's mad baking skills for some advice about coffee break treats. So here's your challenge this week, my man. We're talking about Halloween candy. Bunch leftover, right? So we had a big, big run. Hit our house in between five and six. I was freaked out. I was like, oh, I got to get some more candy. Got more candy. I haven't even opened this bag of, of peanut butter cups here. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want these in the house, but office isn't really open, so I can't just throw them on the desk there and hope that you know people will take care of it that way. I don't really want to donate to the food bank. That's probably not too cool to be doing something like that. Not overly healthy. What do I do? Do I have any answers here for this leftover candy at the house? I need that, that baking cookie miracle thing to happen to happen to me, Kevin. What do you think about that?
0: Oh, I think the answer is simple.
1: Oh, it is? You, okay, good.
0: Yeah, you send the peanut butter cups to me. Ah. <laughs> I, love, I, I love them. Uh, why didn't, why know, didn't I not, think not this through? Not the candy bars, but peanut yes. butter cups. I'm, I'm all about the, peanut, the Reese's the peanut see. butter cups. I see. Okay, yeah. all right. So, so that and, and, you know. <laughs> All listeners out there, that that's yeah. not true. For you know, don't all of you send me your your, right. your Halloween kit? That would be yeah. bad. Right? Yes, you right. Know, I'll just right. kind right. of right. like blow up, and I won't fit in the you know. No, we want we don't bag. want that. Yeah, no, none of us <laughs> want that. <But> a <laughs> doctor definitely does not want that. But, no, you
1: know, no, okay. Your
0: bag of leftover peanut butter cups.
1: Yeah, I, I, I I'll see. Just take I see. Okay. All right. I didn't know the answer was that simple, but, <laughs> but that now simple, I really? know. <laughs> As always, Kevin, I appreciate the input on public affairs and uh, now some new knowledge in terms of candy consumption. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Always, as always. All right. The next time, folks, you want to know what's happening in local politics, give us a listen on Seattle News, Views, and Brews. Find out what's brewing here. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Please support us on Patreon if you like what you're hearing. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for your support. Thanks also to everybody watching on Converge Media. We appreciate you, too, and we will see you next time. Seattle News Views and Brews is an independent production of Calaman Media Services. Copyright 2020.